That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What could your company do with $2 million in funding? Data Tribe is a global cyber foundry that invests in and co-builds next-generation cybersecurity and data science companies. And they're accepting applications into their second annual Data Tribe Challenge, a global competition to identify and develop high-technology startups with a vision to disrupt cybersecurity and data science. Last year's winner... Prevalion just closed its Series A round valued at $35 million, less than 12 months after winning the contest. Three finalists will split $20,000 in prize money, and one winner will be eligible to receive up to $2 million in seed capital from Data Tribe with potential follow-on investment up to $6.5 million in Series A venture funding from Data Tribe and Allegis Cyber, a Silicon Valley-based cybersecurity venture capital firm. Register by October 1st at datatribe.com forward slash challenge. That's datatribe.com forward slash challenge for a chance to be Datatribe's next world-class company. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, August 20th, 2019. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Twitter suspends a bunch of China-linked accounts. Is Apple TV Plus dead on arrival? 23 towns in Texas are hit with ransomware. And why isn't Alexa in your car? Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Late yesterday, Twitter announced it had proactively suspended around 200,000 what it calls spam accounts alongside an initial ban of 936 active accounts, which Twitter alleges were involved in a state-backed information operation focused on the situation in Hong Kong. Quote, this disclosure consists of 936 accounts originating from within the People's Republic of China. Overall, these accounts were deliberately and specifically attempting to sow political discord in Hong Kong, including undermining the legitimacy and political positions of the protest movement on the ground. Based on our intensive investigations, we have reliable evidence to support that this is a coordinated state-backed operation. Specifically, we identified large clusters of accounts behaving in a coordinated manner to amplify messages related to the Hong Kong protests. As Twitter is blocked in PRC, many of these accounts access Twitter using VPNs. However, some accounts access Twitter from specific unblocked IP addresses originating in mainland China. The accounts we are sharing today represent the most active portion of this campaign. A larger, spammy network of approximately 200,000 accounts, many created following our initial suspensions, were proactively suspended before they were substantially active on the service, end quote. Hot on the heels of that announcement, Facebook announced that it was removing seven pages, three groups, and five accounts originating in China that they, again, allege were involved in coordinated inauthentic behavior regarding the events in Hong Kong. And guess what? This sounds like this was all related, quoting Facebook. Based on a tip shared by Twitter, 
about activity they found on their platform. We conducted an internal investigation into suspected coordinated inauthentic behavior in the region and identified this activity. We will continue monitoring and will take action if we find additional violations. We've shared our analysis with law enforcement and industry partners, end quote. But back to Twitter, which also announced that going forward, it will no longer accept advertising from state-controlled news media entities. Quote, today we are updating our advertising policies with respect to state media. Going forward, we will not accept advertising from state-controlled news media entities. Any affected accounts will be free to continue to use Twitter to engage in public conversation, just not our advertising products, end quote. Worth noting that Twitter says that this policy change does not apply to taxpayer-funded entities. As James Ball tweeted, quote, Some poor senior execs at the BBC and Channel 4 have possibly had to talk very quickly to explain to social networks that publicly-owned media and state-controlled media are not the same thing, end quote. All of the pieces are coming together for the streaming wars to kick off officially in November. Sources are telling Bloomberg that Apple is planning to roll out Apple TV Plus by November and is considering pricing the streaming video subscription service at $9.99 a month after a free trial period. Quote, with its first foray into video subscriptions, Apple is weighing different release strategies for shows. The company is considering offering the first three episodes of some programs, followed by weekly installments, the people said. Netflix tends to release whole seasons at once for binging, while AT&T's HBO and Disney's Hulu often release episodes weekly. The service will launch globally in over 150 countries. Apple TV Plus will be one of five major digital subscription services in Apple's portfolio, along with Apple Music, the upcoming Apple Arcade gaming service, Apple News Plus, and iCloud storage subscriptions. The company also generates recurring revenue from products like Apple Care, extended customer service, and its bank-operated iPhone upgrade program. It will also likely start pulling in revenue from the Apple Card, which began rolling out earlier this month, end quote. So I'm happy to hear counter-arguments about this, but I'm really struggling to get bullish on this Apple TV Plus. Put me in the same camp as James McLeod, who tweeted, quote, more expensive than Disney Plus, with a vastly smaller library of programs that nobody has heard of. This will go great, end quote. However, counter-argument, Apple seems pretty committed to this. Sources are telling the Financial Times that Apple has committed more than $6 billion towards the production of original shows and movies, many featuring huge and read expensive names. I found this detail interesting. Quote, The company has spent hundreds of millions of dollars alone on a star-studded series featuring Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell called The Morning Show. According to people familiar with the matter, that amounts to a higher price per episode than Game of Thrones, which reportedly cost $15 million for each episode of its final season. The Morning Show ranks alongside science fiction drama C, which features Aquaman star Jason Momoa, and is written by Peaky Blinders creator Stephen Knight, 
as one of the most expensive shows on Apple's slate. Apple is looking to build a library of original programming to take on more established competitors such as Netflix. While Apple's budget remains well below Netflix's expected cash content spending of $15 billion this year, its more generous payment terms are helping it to win deals in Hollywood. Unlike Netflix, which often pays content creators over several years, Apple pays earlier in the production process once certain milestones are hit, according to people familiar with its approach, end quote. And speaking of the Apple Card, FYI, it is now available to all iPhone users in the United States. And as a sweetener to get you to give it a try today, there's a special 3% cashback offer for Uber and Uber Eats. Until now, the announced 3% cashback offer was only available for Apple purchases. But Apple says it will periodically extend this to other third-party merchants. Apparently, additional third-party merchants will be added to the 3% cashback program in the coming months, and one imagines that this will not be a permanent thing. More likely, Apple will be rotating partners in and out of the 3% cashback tier. Sony Interactive Entertainment is acquiring Insomniac Games, developer of the PS4 hit Marvel's Spider-Man. Insomniac will join PlayStation's worldwide studios. Quote, Insomniac was founded in 1994 as Extreme Software by Ted Price, who is still the company's CEO today. The studio has been independent until now, although it is best known as the creator of franchises that debuted exclusively on PlayStation platforms, like Ratchet & Clank, Spyro the Dragon, and Resistance. Non-PlayStation titles from Insomniac include 2016's Edge of Nowhere and the upcoming Stormland on Oculus Rift. The studio released Song of the Deep in 2016 on PS4, Windows PC, and Xbox One, and Fuse in 2013 on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Insomniac's biggest project outside of Sony was the 2014 Xbox One exclusive Sunset Overdrive, which was later ported to PC, end quote. How many times did I quote from our next sponsor just last week? Probably almost every day. If you do listen to the show every day, you know the great work The Washington Post does. The Washington Post helps you go deeper on the news that matters most to you. Their journalists bring you the facts and provide clarity about what's happening in the industry, revealing the role tech giants and regulators play in our lives, the dangers and wonders of breakthrough technological developments, and the national conversation around things like AI. Also, did you know The Post offers a cool feature for audio lovers like you? You can conveniently listen to articles in addition to reading them, so you can catch up on the news during your commute. Think The Post only covers politics? That's not true at all. You name it, they cover it, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking. The Washington Post helps you discover a world of surprising stories, important insights, and actionable advice. From May 21st to June 3rd, you can go to WashingtonPost.com ride to subscribe for just 25 cents per week for your first year. That's 90% off their typical offer, so this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com slash ride to subscribe for just 25 cents per week for your first year. If you happen to listen to this ad after June 3rd, know that we still have an amazing 50 cents per week offer just for our podcast listeners. Lumen is the world's first handheld metabolic coach. It's a device that measures your metabolism through your breath. 
And on the app, it lets you know if you're burning fat or carbs and gives you tailored guidance to improve your nutrition, workouts, sleep, and even stress management. My wife and I have been doing this. All you have to do is breathe into your lumen first thing in the morning, and you'll know what's going on with your metabolism, whether you're burning mostly fats or carbs. Then, Lumen gives you a personalized nutrition plan for that day based on your measurements. You can also breathe into it before and after workouts and meals so you know exactly what's going on in your body in real time. And Lumen will give you tips to keep you on top of your health game. Because your metabolism is at the center of everything your body does, optimal metabolic health translates to a bunch of benefits, including easier weight management, improved energy levels, better fitness results, better sleep, etc. So if you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use RIDE to get $100 off your Lumen. That's L-U-M-E-N dot M-E and use RIDE at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. The FTC chairman, Joseph Simons, said yesterday that he intends to complete the Facebook antitrust probe that the agency is conducting before the 2020 election. He said all options for remedies are on the table, including divestitures of properties. But he also added that Mark Zuckerberg's mad dash to integrate all of Facebook's units into one was complicating matters. Quote, if they're maintaining separate business structures and infrastructure, it's much easier to have a divestiture in that circumstance than in where they're completely enmeshed and all the eggs are scrambled, he told the Financial Times. Mr. Simons declined to discuss the specifics of what the FTC was investigating in Facebook's case, but said the agency's review of past mergers was focused on whether deals were designed to stamp out possible core business competitors. He pointed to the Instagram acquisition as an example, saying the FTC would not be looking at, quote, whether they were going to succeed so much as a photo service, but whether they were going to develop into something that actually could challenge the Facebook platform, end quote. The FTC previously cleared both the WhatsApp and Instagram acquisitions by Facebook. Mr. Simons acknowledged that it would be challenging for the agency to ask a court to reverse a merger that it had approved. Quote, yeah. It's not easy, he said. On the other hand, you might have a situation where you have additional evidence that the company was engaged in a program to basically snuff out its competitors through a process of acquisition, end quote. Also, both the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal are reporting that a group of states' attorneys general are likely to launch their own coordinated formal probe into big tech next month. Any investigation by the attorneys general would likely dovetail with the investigations launched by the FTC and Justice Department. If you know your history, a similar thing occurred during the Microsoft antitrust brouhaha in the late 90s and early 2000s. Lots of you have been tweeting this at me, and yes, I am aware, 23 local governments in Texas have been hit with what appears to be a coordinated ransomware attack. Quoting ZDNet, the attack took place on Friday morning, August 16th, U.S. time, when several smaller local Texas governments reported problems with accessing their data to the Texas Department of Information Resources, or DIR. DIR officials did not publish a list of impacted local governments. On Friday, the agency couldn't provide an exact number of impacted entities, but a day later, DIR said the number is 23. Quote, it appears all entities that were actually or potentially impacted have been identified and notified, DIR said. Responders are actively working with these entities to bring their systems back online, end quote. 
You should use two-factor authentication, they say. You shouldn't use text messages as the second factor, they say. Text messages are okay, but not the most secure. Google Authenticator and Authy are better, they say. But, they also say again and again, the most secure two-factor authentication is to use a physical security key as the second factor. Problem has been, until now, physical security keys tended to only work on traditional computers. Well, not anymore. Today, Yubico, maker of the gold standard YubiKey security key, has launched the YubiKey 5CI, which has a USB-C end and a lightning port end, as well as native support for iOS right out of the box, so you can now use a physical key to secure logins on your iPhone. The new YubiKey 5CI costs $70, which is a bit much, but you do get support for popular password programs like LastPass and 1Password as well. Quoting The Verge, that means you may not have to remember your password for your bank ever again. Just plug the YubiKey into your iPhone and use it to log into the 1Password app and get that bank password. At launch, it'll support these well-known password managers and single sign-on tools. 1Password, Bitwarden, Dashlane, Adaptive, LastPass, and Okta. And when using the Brave browser for iOS, the YubiKey 5CI can be used as an easier way to log into Twitter, GitHub, 1Password's web app, and a couple of other services. Notably, the 5CI doesn't work with the newest iPad Pros at all, despite having a USB-C connector that fits. And you can't just plug the lightning side of the 5CI into an iPhone and expect it to work with any service that supports the FIDO authentication protocol. Our passwordless future isn't here just yet. Yubico tells The Verge that services have to individually add support for lightning connectors on the 5CI into their apps, end quote. And actually, I shouldn't blanket say that this is the first mobile solution for security keys because Google's $50 Titan security keys have USB-A and USB-C adapters and NFC and Bluetooth, and it all works with Android. And actually, if you're on Android 7 or higher, you can already use your actual phone as a physical security key as well. For years, Apple and Google have been battling to become the digital platform inside of our cars, a platform that can control everything from navigation to entertainment. But if you think about it, voice assistants are perfect for cars, right? Because they're hands-free. And of course, Apple has Siri integrated into their CarPlay, and of course, there's Google Assistant. Well, what about Amazon? Why wouldn't Amazon make a play for cars? Turns out that Amazon, if you weren't aware, is making a play for cars, as Bloomberg points out, and recently scored some wins when Audi and BMW agreed to include Alexa in some of their car models by default. Quote, introduced almost a year ago and shipped to the first invited customers in January, the sometimes buggy Echo Auto is the most visible element so far of Amazon's ambition to take Alexa on the road. While colonizing the car probably won't generate much in the way of revenue at first, just being there would help Amazon position itself for a coming era of voice-based services. Quote, Amazon wants to get into the car in a big way, says Mike Ramsey, a senior research director at Gartner, who tracks the auto industry. They sense that there is a big opportunity, end quote. The Bloomberg article points out that Amazon's biggest hurdle here, as ever, is that they don't have a phone platform of their own. 
Yes, once again, I invoke the Fire Phone fiasco. The bottom line is most people would just prefer a system that works off their existing smartphones at hand as opposed to having to port things like playlists, contacts, and maps over to a standalone system. But Amazon is smartly positioning itself as an alternative for automakers who fear being squeezed between Apple and Google. But what really hasn't helped Amazon so far is that the Echo Auto has pretty universally garnered a reputation for being half-baked and poorly designed. It tells you something, that Amazon has turned off reviews for the Echo Auto on Amazon's own website. That is all for today. As always, I'm Brian McCullough. Follow me on Twitter at BrianMCC. Be excellent to yourselves and each other. Talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.